Great worship this morning. Appreciate that. Getting our hearts right and on target this year. Our first Sunday of the new year. Love singing songs about the faithfulness of God. I was thinking as we were singing that last song this morning that um, yeah, it may not be where your heart is. It might be that as we sang the song about God's kindness and His goodness and His mercy being forever that maybe you find yourself at a place this morning that you're saying, yeah, right. And that's okay to be there. Uh, honestly, just having knowledge from your head of what the Scripture says about God is not going to be enough to move you to a place where you really understand that God is faithful, that He is good, always good, that His mercy is forever. You know, the passages that talk about that are, are saying that, you know, this is who He is and there is no changing with God. There's no shadow of turning with God, according to, to James. Uh, he is who he is, and he's always been this. And so if we have this false perception of God that sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad, then that is, is, that's exactly what it is. It's a false perception. We have an enemy, obviously, who is constantly throwing into our heads that God is not faithful, he's not good. He gets us focused on our circumstances. So many passages of Scripture, so many stories in Scripture re- re- revolve around that, how we get fixated on our circumstances and we focus on those and we run them through our mind and we circle those things over and over again through our heads and the enemy tries to keep our minds on our past and on our 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 present circumstances and the possibilities of what could happen in the future based on what we're facing now and and our, our our minds just spin just spin when in reality if we can just get a word from god I just get a word from God about our circumstances. If we can just have something to hold on to that's truth, where God says this is the fact, uh, then, then we, then, and we know that, that uh, he is faithful, and we operate in that, and then we see in our experience that God's word is true. Then when we sing these songs, it brings peace. You know, when we sing these songs, it's a reminder. It's not a... It's not a uh, uh, a word that we don't believe and have to ultimately make ourselves believe. It's a word that we know is true because we have experienced God as our, uh, his mercy and his grace and his kindness. We've experienced that. And we know that it transcends our circumstances. That regardless of what our circumstances are, that God, even for us who are believers, he works those negative things together for good. And that ultimately, in the, you know, in the in the timeline of eternity that that this life on the earth is just a is just a vapor that god's plan is always going to be accomplished and he's working it here on the earth it's called living in the kingdom of god and i hope we're doing that i hope we're living in the kingdom of god while we're living while we're on the earth we are we are aliens strangers here the bible describes us as but there's another kingdom that we live in we're going to talk more about that this year as we move forward but what's so significant today about what we've sung and what we know about God is that two, two things are true this morning. that we, have, we, we know this is true because all of us have been in these, both of these circumstances. First of all, the world, people who have never come in contact with God, don't know that it's true. And so when their circumstances are overwhelming, they have nothing to turn to. There are people that live around us in, the, in this community. They work with you. They work in the place where you work. They, they eat in the places where you eat. They serve you in restaurants. They, you know, they uh, live in your neighborhood. They're all around us. There are people all around us who have never, never known the truth about God. And unfortunately, as all of us also have experienced, the perception that they have about the church and about God is... Well, the perception they have about God is based on their perception of the church, which is they have no answers for me. I, you know, their, their words mean nothing. They say one thing, they do another. They say one thing about God, and then they panic, and they, they fall to pieces whenever life circumstances happen. They have no other answer than what I have. And so the world outside of us, the lost world, people that don't have a relationship with God desperately need to need to know that that's not true, but how are they going to know it? Because we can go to a Bible verse and pull it up and say, see, the Bible says this. No, that's, that makes no difference to them. They don't even respect the Bible, the Word of God. They don't, that's just words on a page. 
And truthfully, for most of the church, I think it's the same thing. It's just words on a page. Until you have lived a life and walked with God through circumstances, that's when you, first of all, will know the truth about God. And that's when you, second of all, will be a, a, a living light to the world around you. That when people see you handle your circumstances and know that when you pull out a Bible verse, that you can say, this is what I'm holding on to. And this, and this person, there's a person behind these words who lives inside of me, who is, who is allowing me and strengthening me, and giving me wisdom on how to handle this circumstance. And I'm not overwhelmed because I know this to be true about God because I've had other experiences with him where this has been true. I mean, we look through the whole Bible and pick a character, the Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't matter. Those that are described as walking with God are always coming to know him by experience and, y'all with me, drawing from those past experiences the truth about God that provides comfort in the present experience. So when David goes to fight Goliath, he doesn't fight Goliath blindly with just a head knowledge that says God is big and God is the creator of the universe and God is in control and he's strong. He goes with the knowledge that God gave me strength to defeat a lion and a bear with my bare hands as I was tending his sheep. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to God? Or when Moses stands before Pharaoh and and speaks what God tells him to speak, that these impossible things are going to happen, these ten plagues are going to happen one at a time. As Moses goes before Pharaoh, that he's drawing not only from the fact that God told him to do it, but from his past experience of of God saying, take, this, take your staff and throw it down, and he turns it into a snake, and pick up the snake. He picks it up, and God turns it into a staff. He knows that when God says something, it's going to happen because there's power behind what he says. That's different than just reading your Bible every day and memorizing verses that say God is such and such. That doesn't mean anything to you in real life if you don't, in real life, have an encounter with the Holy Spirit where he applies that truth to your life. And once he's done that enough, then every word of the scripture makes sense to you. Every word of scripture is important to you because you begin to realize that if I will walk in the truth of God's word every day, then I will know God in such a way that it will not only transform my life, but it will transform the world around me. That, in essence, is what it means to be a community that blesses. This, this, This city... Our cities, this parish, this area, the South, our country, desperately needs to have people who are walking with God in such a way that their lives are being transformed so that the truth becomes real and, and each one of us becomes a picture of the truth about God and the way we handle life and circumstances. Whether we're blessed or whether we're uh, 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 cursed, it doesn't matter. In life circumstances, we, are, we understand the God that we walk with and we love him and we're counting on him. And ultimately, if God pulls us out of this world and into the next, Paul says, it's gain. It's not even, it's not even loss for me. It's gain if I leave this world and go to the next world. This world means nothing to Paul, a man who had experience after experience after experience with the truth, who God is. So I I want you to know that our goal, and I hope that you will buy into this goal, those of you that are members of the Gathering Place and find this to be, and say that this is your community, that we will do, and those of you who, who aren't yet a member of this community, but you feel drawn to this community, Here's our goal for this year. First of all, we need to be a community, not just a group of people who gather together, uh, you know, a couple times a week or once a week, who just gather in the same room. That's not community. Did everybody get that? That doesn't make us a community, and we're going to talk about what community is. But, you know, a bunch of prisoners gather together in the prison every week, every day, all day long, but that doesn't make them a community. Being in the same room doesn't make this a community. And so we want to know what does it mean to be a community and a community of people who are encountering God, who are walking with God, who are experiencing God in our daily lives, who are having these experiences that we can, that we can uh, demonstrate to the world around us who God is. So a community first, but one that blesses, a community that's outward focused, that, that we're keeping our inward life with God right because we love him and we know him and we want to know more about him. But ultimately, the fruit of that's going to be we, we shine out to the world around us. So today we're going to take off, pick up where we left off. We spent the 
Christmas season talking about Jesus as the light of the world. You know, we talked about him coming into the world and, and bringing the light and what that meant, light in the darkness and the choices that we made. But once we make a choice to be in the light, then what happens? Well, then we have more choices to make, daily choices to make, of whether we're going to continue to walk in the light or not. So we'll pick up in the same author, different book. We've been reading out of John chapter 1, but we're going to go to 1 John chapter 1. Probably we'll make our way through 1 John, I'm not sure. Uh, the Lord hasn't really given me a word regarding that. Uh, but we're going to read 1 John chapter 1, a few verses out of that, about what happens once we receive the light. Today we're going to talk about living in fellowship with one another, unity that comes from walking in the light. So the fellowship, not of the ring, the fellowship of the light today, all right? 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is a message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, John's already told us in John chapter 1, remember, uh, that that uh, there is a choice that's made once we understand that that God created the world, that Jesus created the world. He was the Word in the beginning that created the world. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And and uh, that He was the light of the world, the light of life. That His uh, he, he was the life and the light. He sh- He shone the light, but the world the Word came, came into the darkness, a world that was dark because Satan was cast to the earth, and it was without form and void, and there was no, uh, there was no, it was total chaos in the world. So between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and verse 2, the, the earth being without form and void, that then Christ comes into the world. Our God creates man and, and brings order and beauty and perfection to the world, and all that he created was good. And when that happened, though, evil was still in the world. God didn't cast Satan out of the world. He allows him to have, uh, to, to really rule that, the power of the air, the Bible says. He, this is his playground. And he can mess with us all that he wants to, but he can't take us. He can't cause us to, to lose our salvation. He can't own us because there's one power that's greater than him, and that's the Holy Spirit. It's God. It's, it's Jesus that lives inside of us. So we can have authority over him, but... Satan never quits trying to get us to walk in darkness, to get us to continue to, even though we've come to Christ and we've received him, that, we, that he, his desire is that we would still walk in darkness. But I want you to remember that there was a choice, a response that we talked about in the last message of last year. Verses 12 through 13 in chapter 1 of John says, But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There were, two, there were three responses. He came to, to, into the world, and the world didn't recognize him because Satan had blinded their eyes to see him, and, the, and there are still blinded eyes around us, people who are blinded by the things of this world. And Satan has their minds blinded, and they still have not received him. So that's one response, is that they don't even recognize him as the Son of God. Lots of people in this community don't recognize Jesus is the Son of God. And there's also the response of religious people. He came to his own, the Bible says, to the Jewish people who God had been in relationship with and chosen as his own people. He came to his own. He came to religious people, and they did not believe in him. They didn't receive him, the Bible says. He came to his own. His own received him not. So those are two responses that maybe some of you have made, but definitely the people around us, there are people all around us who have made that decision to not receive Christ. There are religious people who have received religion but have not received Christ. They received the religion of their parents. They received the religion of their denomination. They're trying to be good, but they haven't received Christ. 
And so they're separated from God. But he says, if you are one of these, like John was, who received him, he gives the power to become children of God. Not born of our own desires, our own flesh, or the will of a man. It's not by something that somebody else can do for us, but by the will of God. We become children of God. So John had become that. John was a child of God. But not only had he received him, John and the other apostles had walked with Christ in intimacy. They'd walked with the Holy Spirit. They walked with Christ while he's on the earth, and then they walked with the Holy Spirit uh, in intimacy. And as a result, they had a, a clear message to share to us. John, when he wrote this epistle, probably uh, the, the, the minimum amount that I've read anywhere from any, any theologian is 50 years after the Holy Spirit came, John writes this epistle. So John had walked with, the, he had walked with Jesus while he was on the earth and, and encountered him and experienced him, if you will, okay, in a way that we can't. But then he had also experienced Jesus in a better way, according to what Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit came and lived in his life. And so for 50 years, John is telling the story, and he's walking with the Holy Spirit. And, and there are truths that, that John never understood when Jesus was on the earth that now he understands after walking with the Holy Spirit for 50 years. Now, where am I getting that? John chapter 14, 15, 16, read it. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come. There, there, there are things I can't even tell you now. It's too much for you to understand. But the Holy Spirit will come, and he will guide you to all truth. So John has 50 years of walking with the Holy Spirit after spending three years walking with Jesus on the earth, and there is no inconsistency with what he experienced in Jesus and the Holy Spirit because they are one. So he has this intimacy with the Holy Spirit. John was totally obedient. I'm sure he had his failures like we do, but he was walking with the Holy Spirit. He was walking in the light, literally, every day of his life. So he had not only had he received Christ, but he had also walked with him. And so the word became, the message was clear about who Christ was, that he was the light. His word would bring truth and light to life. So it wasn't just an intellectual message for for John or for the rest of the apostles. It was truth, truth that had been revealed to them in their interaction with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit in life. Everybody get that? It's more than just head knowledge. So what's the truth? This is what uh, some of the truth that they had revealed to them by their interactions with Jesus. The first four verses of this chapter, or this, yeah, this chapter, 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4. Listen to what John knew that he knew that he knew about Jesus. He says, That which was from the beginning we have heard, which we have heard, and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the, the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And we talk about the difference between head knowledge and experiential knowledge here all the time. But how many of us are really abiding in Christ? That is the essence of abiding. The essence of abiding is knowing the will of God and obeying what he says. So how many of us are really abiding? Paul said that the life of Jesus was made manifest to him. That they had seen it. That they could give testimony to the life of the Holy Spirit that lived inside of them. Of the Christ who they saw and touched and, and was able to have experiences with. John's saying, I had those experiences. The, the apostles have had these experiences with him. It makes all the difference in the world. We don't have a message to tell about Christ that makes any difference to the world if we haven't walked with him in life. We don't have a message because we memorized a verse. That is not our message. Our message is not that, they're, that, these true, that these words are true. People won't believe that until they see it in their own lives. 
our message is that God is real. His Holy Spirit lives in us, and he is working and moving and, and participating with us in life. God is real and personal, and we have our own testimonies. We can testify to the fact because I had this encounter with God. God gave me this word. I obeyed what he said, and this is what he did in my life. So they had a message. They had a message that they wanted to proclaim to us. So what is the message that was clearly revealed to them by the Son of God and the Spirit of God as as the apostles walked with him? John says this in verse 5. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and completely void of darkness. What does that mean? It means, as we've already discovered, God is absolute truth. He is perfectly righteous without any darkness or sin in him. That his way of life is the perfect way to live. That his way is the way that makes life in this world more fulfilling and, as he describes here, full of joy. That we can have complete joy by walking in his way. In in the abiding passages, uh, Jesus is telling the disciples, abide in him. He said, walk in him, obey his commandments, uh, and he will produce fruit through you. He said, I told you these things that my joy might be in you and your joy might be made complete. There's no inconsistency with what John says in his gospel and what he says in his epistle. Complete joy comes from one place. It's walking in the light. It's walking with God in absolute truth. It's trusting the way that God has for us to live. His way of life is the standard for mankind to measure ourselves by. When we we measure our lives by what God speaks into our lives, what he tells us to do, how he tells us to live, we can clearly see what's wrong with ours. Why do we have so much misery in this world? I can tell you, my misery has become progressively less as I become progressively more obedient to the things God says. I'm much less miserable. It doesn't mean I don't have the same circumstances happening in my life. I use finances a lot because we all have to deal with money in our lives. But in my finances, when, God, when I was holding on to my finances and, and something would come in and break down in my house and I have to replace something or you know, something tragic would happen in my house or with my car and I, and I didn't have the money and I'm thinking, how are we going to make this happen? There was panic all the time. I never seemed to get over that. But once God, once I had enough experiences with God where God told me to do things with my money that didn't make sense, and I obeyed, began to obey him instead of holding on to my money to be able to make sure I had enough to take care of those kinds of tragedies, when I started trusting the Lord, then every time something would come up, there would be some money come out of nowhere. And I know there are so many testimonies in this, in this church regarding that because we talk about it all the time. But just one example. Now there's a whole different attitude regarding money in my life when it comes to God. But those encounters that we have with God, uh, you know, God wants us to know how to live life. And, and when we see the truth displayed in our lives, we can clearly see where our problems are. And a lot of times the problems come. When the problems come, listen, church, when the problems come, when your tragedy comes, when your experience of, your horrific experience comes into your life, here's what we know. It's an opportunity for God to show you truth and for you to measure your life based on that truth. Now, you getting right with God is not going to make God treat you right. God is treating you right by allowing tragedy to come into your life because that's what you need. That's where he disciplines us. But when it comes, man, don't make sure that you are listening for truth. Hear the word of the Lord. Let him speak. Know that when he speaks truth into your life, gives you a, a response to that whatever's going on in your life, that you need to walk in that. Satan will rob you of that if you allow him to. Listen, Satan will tempt us to believe that there's darkness in God's way of life. Say that again. Satan will tempt us to believe that there's darkness in God's way of life. It doesn't, make, it doesn't seem to make sense that John would take the time to tell us that that. He is, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Well, duh. Yeah, there's no darkness at all in God. We know that. God's absolute truth. There's no darkness. But do we really know that in our experience? 
do we live our lives in, in, in a way that, that we really trust that what God says is truth and there's no mixture of darkness? I believe this. I believe the reason why we have been poor in our abiding this year, in our blessing this year, in our commitment to community this, this year, the three simple things that God gave us to do, the reason why we've been poor at that is the enemy has deceived us into believing that that's not the best way to live that that's not going to be good for us, even though God spoke for us to do that. And his word supports it. There is no contradiction in the word that says that we shouldn't be abiding, blessing, or committing to community the way that we are. That word came from God for this body. Satan has somehow deceived each one of us, and it's probably been in different ways for each one of us. He's deceived us into believing that that's not the best way to live. Now, you think about your life and, and, and... come to the conclusion if that's true or not. That's the way Satan works. He robs us. He tries to, to make us think that there's a little something in God that's not true, that there's a little bit of something in God that's, that's really inconsistent, and that's not going to be good for us, that he really didn't come to give us abundant life. Look at what he does in Genesis chapter 3 when he deceives Adam and Eve. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we, we may eat of the, tree, of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. See, here's the problem, Eve. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like him, knowing good from evil. What does Satan do in the very first sin? He comes to Adam and Eve, and he says, God's not really being totally up front with y'all. There's a little something he's holding back. See, his way of life is really not the best way for you. What you need to do is eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because he knows that when you do that, you're going to be like him. That was admirable that Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, We want to be like God, right? But the way they did it, in disobedience, thinking that we've got to be disobedient to God, the problem was that that uh, Satan threw doubt into their minds. Satan convinced them to eat of the tree. And for us, listen, church, Satan may have lost the battle in the sense that we've become, we've received Christ and become adopted sons and daughters. If you're a child of God, you've prayed to receive Christ and you have, you've given your life to him, that's done. He lost that battle. But he still tries to get us to believe that God's ways are not always best. Am I right? Is that happening with you? Say, oh yeah, if it is. He convinces us that God doesn't have our best interest in mind. He does it all the time. We look at circumstances and we don't believe that God has our best interest in mind. He wants us to think that we are good enough and that we don't really uh, want to walk in the truth or be obedient to God. And Satan will do all that he can to convince us to hold on to sin because it ruins our enjoyment of the life that God has for us as sons and daughters. It's a life of complete joy as described here and just described in John's gospel. It takes away our enjoyment of life. It's so crazy if you think about it, and I hope you guys are thinking about it with me, that we allow the enemy to steal away our obedience to God in the little things, the simple things that, that we do in life to be able to enjoy the, our relationship with God. We, he steals that away with the stupidest stuff. I mean, I don't know what yours are, but it can be, you know, it, it's so many different things. It takes our time. We're, we're so focused on, we're going to absolutely spend time doing certain things that we think make our life more enjoyable, and we miss spending time alone with God to hear what his word is for our, for our day, right? It's as simple as that. God may have a word for you today. There, there, there are people that are not here committed to community today. Does it matter? Does it, do they get points with God by being here? Does God look down and say, oh, finally, you did good. Okay, now I'm going to bless you. Does he? Absolutely not. God doesn't look at our righteousness and say, oh, you did good, now I get to bless you. But there are blessings that come through walking in the light. 
literally walking in what God tells us to do. And so people are being disobedient today just because. Now, some of them are legitimately sick, and we don't want them here. <laughs> right? We don't want their sickness to be spreading around this congregation. I get that. I'm not saying that you need to be in church every Sunday and feel guilty if you don't. I'm saying commit to community because your blessings are waiting. There are blessings that will happen, things that you'll get by being in the body, with the body, and, and participating in the way that God would have you to. So John wants us to understand this truth clearly. Look at what he says in verse 6 of our passage. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I want to take just a second to talk about koinonia because this, this term is... is uh, this term fellowship or koinonia is used in the scripture. There's three different forms basically in the New Testament of koinonia. The first form is, means having a share. It's like I have a share of a business. or I have, I am, Paul talks about sharing in the sufferings of Christ. He gives that example of sharing in his sufferings. Paul also talks about knowing Christ through the fellowship of his sufferings. That word koinonia of uh, sharing in the suffering. So I have a share of this with you. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, I don't know if I have this up there. I don't don't think I put it. He says, just listen to it. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying uh, with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. So there's not only having a share, it's giving a share. You know, there's there's a generosity or, or gift or contribution for the body. That's described in this passage. But the one that in our passage today is only found in three other, in two other places in Scripture. And it's very consistent in what it describes, and that is sharing with. Not having a share, not giving a share, but sharing with. It's a common sharing. It's a constant give and take. And it only occurs three times in the New Testament. And that's what's what. Uh, John is talking about in this epistle. John is saying that if we're in fellowship with him, it means that we are in constant communion with the light. We are walking in perfect unity with the plumb line of righteous living. That we are walking together with God through life. Now, there were apparently some who were saying that they were in fellowship with the Holy Spirit while they were walking in darkness. We talked about that a little bit when we were in John chapter 1, that there are those who call the light or call their darkness light. Paul describes that in 1 Timothy where he says, the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, which is the light. It's the truth of God. It's perfect truth. But instead, they'll gather around them teachers who say the things their itching ears want to hear. And they'll turn away from the light and turn aside to myths, or turn away from the truth and turn aside to myths. We live in that. Don't think it's just in the culture or in the, in the lost humanity around us. It is in the church that we have called our darkness light. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. But those of you who have walked with God know that if you walk with him in obedience, it's not okay. God wants us to walk a very specific way, and and he wants us to involve him and to commune with him in every moment of life. Now, are any of us going to be perfect at that? Are we? No, we're not. All of us are sinners. We still continue to sin, to walk in our old patterns. Our members of our body are waging war against our mind, like Paul talks about Greatest missionary that ever lived wrote over half the New Testament. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. But Paul was in perfect unity with the light. When Paul walked in disobedience, he knew it was disobedience. And his goal was to get that disobedience out of his life. Paul didn't want to walk in disobedience. There are people today that walk in disobedience and call it God. Call it Christianity. Call it truth. So how do we find out what truth is? How how do we know who's right and who's wrong? Ask the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. We are walking with the Holy Spirit in fellowship. We are in communion with, we are sharing life with the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest tragedies I think of most Baptist churches is that we never talk about the Holy Spirit anymore. The Holy Spirit is the best blessing that we have. 
God gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us to truth in every circumstance of our lives. You can employ that however much you want to. And so don't be those people who are walking in darkness. John says clearly that they're liars and they're not practicing the truth. But there's a beautiful thing that happens when we recognize that our sin is sin. And that we decide to walk in constant connection with the Holy Spirit. And I hope that's your goal today. But look at what he says is the beautiful thing that happens in verse 7. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one, with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. First of all, he says, if we're walking in the light. Walking in the light is not imitating Christ. It's not looking at the scripture and saying, well, this is how Christ walked. I need to walk like him. It's not that we're looking at somebody on the outside, that we're looking at Jesus' life like we did this all of last year, and we're saying, okay, that's how he lived. Okay, okay, I need to do that. That's not what it is. It's not imitating Christ. It's not simply taking him with us where we go, having the light with us, like, you know, like a flashlight. It's not just taking the light with us. So there it is. It's not carrying our Bibles around and having the verses to read. It's not that. That's not walking in the light. Henry Alford in his commentary, says it defines it this way. It's an identity in the essential element of our daily walk with the essential element of God's eternal being. It is an identity of the the essential elements of our life, walking with the essential element of God's eternal being. It is us knowing our sin immediately because we're walking in the light. The Holy Spirit is with us and our He is our life, and he's progressively sanctifying us and changing us, and we we recognize our sin, and we desire not to live in that anymore. So we ask God to empower us by his Holy Spirit to overcome. If we walk in the light, that is, if we walk in our daily walk, the essential elements of our life are connected with the essential elements of the Holy Spirit. Then he says two things will happen. Number one, We'll have fellowship with one another. A beautiful, a beautiful unity of fellowship with God. When we are in fellowship with God, we are in fellowship with each other because we're in fellowship with him. You can't, we can't be in unity with God as individuals and not be automatically connected with each other. Automatically in unity with one another. You know, I've talked about this before, but some people define unity as we all get in a room together and we all kind of compromise. Okay, I'll give this and you give this and we all give up a little bit and then we come together and say, okay, this is lukewarm. It's not good, but we'll, do, we'll deal with it. It keeps us from fighting. That is not unity. Unity is when I was in band. How many of y'all were in band in school? Anybody? Yeah, a number of us. When I was in band, first thing we do when we sit in the in, uh in the practice room or whatever when we were practicing, first thing we do when we sit down is they would play a tone through some speakers that was perfect pitch. Perfect C or B flat, I think. Perfect pitch. All right? They, that tone couldn't be off. It was electronic. It was always on. They'd play that pitch, and everybody would not tune to each other. We would tune to the pitch. And as a result, when all of us were finished tuning our instruments to that pitch that was playing so loudly... Through, that, through those speakers, we were automatically in tune with what? With one another. And when the band starts playing, everybody sounds good. If you listen to the band before we tune up, we sound terrible. We're all off. But when we tune up to the one pitch, then we're all tuned with, automatically with one another. wonder why the church is so divided. wonder why the gathering place, by the way, guys, is so united. We've never had one descending vote on anything we've ever voted on in 10 years. We've never had anybody rise up and say, we don't like the way things are going. That has never happened in 10 years. How many churches have you ever been in where that was true? Why is that? Is it because we got it all together? Absolutely not. It's because we have one goal. That's for each one of you to tune yourself to the tuning fork, tune yourself to the tone that's coming out of the speakers, and it's loud. You be a child of God, and you walk in the light. Walk in the light. Question yourself every time you you think about uh, uh, speaking against anybody in the church. And God will speak to you about what truth is. That's, 
it, it's easy, but it's so difficult because the enemy hates that. Because he knows that if we walk in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another. So I want to encourage you guys, man, walk with the Lord. We need you to walk with the Lord so that this community can be a community that blesses. A big reason why the community around us despises our God is because we say we love God and we hate one another. We're fighting over carpet and lighting and whatever else we can find to fight about. And even the theology that we fight about makes no difference. We argue over disputable matters instead of the truth of salvation that comes through Christ. Paul says, I preach one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's enough. So one of, the, one of the beautiful things that we get when we walk in the light is we have fellowship with one another. And then the second thing is the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, John's not talking about our justification, which is once and for all, okay? When you're saved, the blood of Christ cleanses you of all sin. We'll see that here in just a minute. But he is talking about our sanctification. It's a daily recognition and repentance of sin in our lives. Let me say that again, church. Make sure you hear this. This is what it means to walk in the light. As I'm in constant fellowship, the essence of my being is in in, in fellowship with the essence, in cornea fellowship, communion with the essence of God, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. He doesn't let sin go unnoticed. When I sin, he he points my attention to it. And then my response to that is that I adjust to what he says. And that's an ongoing process. It's, in, it's the blood of Christ continually cleansing us of sins, continually moving sin out of our life. Is that constant, ongoing. When we're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, He is constantly revealing sin. And we have an opportunity to walk in fellowship, to stay in fellowship, and to walk with God, and to have this beautiful life that God has for us, and to have unity in the congregation if we'll just adjust to what He says by obeying Him. It's a daily recognition and repentance from sin. And when we see how good God is and how good his ways are, I can testify again. I haven't always been this way. And I was in ministry for a lot of years and PhD from the seminary. But didn't walk with God in intimacy and daily intimacy and daily adjusting my life to the things that he points out into my life. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, sometimes not. But the more that I've adjusted to what the Holy Spirit has led me to do, the better my life has gotten. And when we see how good God is and how good his ways are, we're going to continue to want to walk in the light. So John says there's two responses, and then we'll close with this. In verses 8 and 10, 8 through 10, he says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and the word has no place in our lives. So two responses. First of all, there are some that were claiming to be without sin. And and John makes it clear that the truth is not in them. Who is Jesus? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus describes himself as truth. Jesus is not in a person who claims to be without sin. Because we make God out to be a liar. God said that we're all sinners. And so his word has not had any, has not landed in our hearts until we've responded to it. So those, there are those who are saying, no, we got it together. And mostly it was the righteous, the religious people who were saying, no, we don't, we don't have sin. But then he says also, if we'll confess our sins, then he will forgive us of our sins. And he'll purify us from all unrighteousness, past, present, and future. And then we can walk in a community of koinonia fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God. Here's the promise that he's giving us. Now listen, I want you, I want you to first of all know what he's not saying. Because there's false teaching going on about this. And I'm going to tell you why it can't be true. He is not saying that as a believer, if you have prayed and received Christ... He is in your heart. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You cannot lose that. He's there for good. It's not based on your goodness at all. Everybody get that? It's a free gift of God. It's not based on your works. 
So no man can boast about that. God gives you salvation through Christ, through your faith in him. You just receive the gift. And to as many as receive him, he gives the power to become children of God. So if I can, if this, some people believe that this verse is saying, if I sin and I don't confess it to God and I die, I'll go to hell. Well, then, then what is my salvation based on, if that's true? It's based on me. It's based on whether I sin or not. And, and what does it result in if I believe that? It means that I'm going to spend all of my life trying to convince myself I have not sinned. I'm not sinning. I didn't sin. No, I didn't sin because I don't want to go to hell. Or, you know, I'm either saying I didn't sin or yes, I did sin, and I'm worried about did I confess every sin? I've had preachers tell me that if I didn't, confess, if I didn't go back and think of all the sins that I sinned since I became a believer, that I was going to be separated from God. That's not salvation based on what Christ did. That's salvation based on what I'm doing. Am I confessing or not? It's not that. That's not what he's saying here. He is saying, if you've ever confessed your sins and repented and given your life to Christ, he is faithful, first of all. This will always be the case. This is what it means. He will always do this. He is faithful, and so his faithfulness will take care of us. And number two, he is just. The justice of God, God's requirement for perfection is not compromised. When you confess your sins and you say, I'm a sinner, I'm in need of a Savior, God's justice is not compromised. It is satisfied because Jesus says he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from what? What's the next word? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your sins are all forgiven. Every one of them, past, present, and future, it's all forgiven. You say, we don't have to worry about that. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we get that from God. We, have, we are cleansed. But here's what we forfeit if we don't walk in the light. If we don't walk in the light, once we've been cleansed uh, and, and purified by God, then we miss the joy of our salvation that God has for us. We miss the blessing of being able to walk in unity with other believers who are also walking with God. Uh, it's important to me, church, that you get right with God, that you walk with him, walk in obedience to him. You, you have no judgment in this church. You know that. In your small groups, you can share whatever it is that you're going through, and nobody's going to judge you. We're all in the same boat. We all have problems, but our goal is the same as well. As a church, we want to walk with God in obedience to him. So we need to open those things up and tell where we are and say, man, I'm constantly struggling with this. Look, I know this, and some of you don't because you've never been in one of our small groups, but I know that there are uh, confessions that have gone on in the small groups the whole time that we've been together. The same confession. I'm still struggling with the same sin. I'm still struggling with the same sin. And we get victory over a little while, and then it comes back in and gets us again. Satan's crafty. But here's what he wants you to believe is that there's no hope for you because you keep sinning. When the truth is, there is hope. Just, you just need to know God more. So just keep on trying to obey. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you power and walk in what God tells you to do. It's so significant that we be united with God in fellowship, that we get our lives lined up with how he is trying to manipulate, move us, work us, to go in the direction that God's pushing us, leading us, so that we can be united, first of all, that we can be a community. By the way, the other place that that word koinonia, that share with, is used, is in Acts chapter 2, where he says they devoted themselves to, the fellowship, to, the, uh, fellowship, to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Those, those new believers in Acts chapter 2, as soon as they received the Holy Spirit, what did they do? They committed themselves to fellowship, to share with each other and share with God this unity that we've been talking about, that, that God planned from the beginning, before the beginning of time. It was that he would bring us into those three chairs, remember? That he would bring us into community with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we would be around the circle with them, sharing life with them, walking through this life, and enjoying the this life in such a way that our whole, our whole attitude changes, our whole demeanor changes, and the world around us says, I want to go with you wherever you're going because I, it's obvious that, that God is with you. It's obvious, and I want to go where you're going. So what do we do with that? There's only one thing to do today, church. 
It's walk with God. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. Whatever God's told you to do, whatever God's given you in response to life circumstances and things that are coming around you, whatever God's told you to do, do it. Just walk with him. You're never going to be convinced that, he's, that this is the best life until you do it. You're never going to be convinced that he's a good God until you walk with him. You're just going to be like everybody else who knows about God, but you don't know him in your own experience. He's going to give you things to do that don't make sense. It's going to be illogical. It's going to go against your feelings and against your reason, but just do what God says. We've got to start being that church. We're going to talk for the next few weeks about how Satan has robbed, robbed us of that and why he's doing that. And I want to warn you guys ahead of time that as we start revealing the truth about the enemy, that he's going to start attacking I'm not wanting to scare you. We have already defeated. We already have victory in Christ. But you, get, you can get ready that as you start believing and walking in this, if you make a decision today, say, yes, I'm going to start listening more. I'm going to start obeying God. I'm going to be more intentional in my quiet time and hearing what God says for my life. I'm going to walk with him. And when he tells me to do something, as hard as it is, I'm going to obey him. Get ready. Get ready. We live in a world that is, is torn to pieces by the enemy. Sin rules in this world. And so get ready, it's coming. There's only one way we can know that our God is good, really. Walk through it. And so many testimonies in this church, but you need your own testimony. You need, you need to know the truth about your own life. Walk with God. Wait on Him. Hear what He says. Obey what He says. Don't move without uh, consulting God and then finding out what His plan is for your life and walk it out. Don't be legalistic on yourself either, okay? God will reveal his plan for you. Just be determined to follow. Can you do that today? Would you, would you make a commitment today as we worship again and close out to just say to God, I want to know you more through obedience. I want to obey so that I can know you more and reveal the truth about you to the world around us. All right, let's let that be our prayer today as we close. Father, thank you for your word and for being faithful to reveal truth to us, being faithful to speak to us about the details of our lives. and Lord, we know that you're not guiding us just to do the right things, but you're guiding us to experience a a life with with a benevolent, loving, caring Father. And you want us to know you in that way so that when we sing songs about your faithfulness, about your mercy, about your kindness, that we can say that from hearts that are full of truth. God, there are people here today that are not feeling that, and I pray, God, that you will help them to commit themselves to walk with you and and trust that the feelings will come, that feelings are fruit of abiding. Help us to just walk with you in the light, to commit to that today. Lord, do your work in here, in our hearts and our lives. Make this truth real for us as we live this week out. In Jesus' name.